As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. The Athletic. It's Straight Outta Cobham, a show about Chelsea FC from The Athletic. On this episode, we look ahead to Saturday's Derby Day in East London, hear from the latest member of Chelsea's 500 club, 500 as in appearances, not signings made since the summer, and we'll do a quiz, available for free, wherever you get your podcasts and ad-free on The Athletic. This is Straight Outta Cobham. And it is a landmark day for this particular podcast because we welcome back the triumphant return of Liam and Simon's boss, it's Dominic Fifield. Hi, Dom. <laughs> they won't appreciate that. I wouldn't call it a triumphant return either, to be honest. I'm about to get whipped in the quiz by Jess. Yeah, <laughs> we'll see. We'll see. Um, it's nice to have you back anyway. Um, the undisputed quiz champion is with us as well. How are you doing, Jesse? Yeah, good. Just about uh, recovered from how cold it was at, at Meadow Park last night, um, watching Arsenal City in the Conti Cup, but all good. Can you believe I nearly didn't bring my big coat? I was thinking, can I be bothered lugging this thing around with me? Foolish, isn't it? You've got to keep it out till March, really, in this country. Um, good content, good opening content. Let's get straight on to it, shall we? No midweek <laughs> games, no record-breaking transfers, so we better preview the West Ham match. A lunchtime London derby to kick off the weekend's Premier League action then. Chelsea travel to the London Stadium to take on a West Ham side battling the Blues to be the Premier League's Bad Vibes FC this season. Uh, Dom, it's been a while since we've had you on. Tell us what you've made of what's been going on at Chelsea on and off the pitch these past few weeks and months. Oh dear, I'm going to probably buck a, a trend a bit on the on the old transfer window. I, I found the amount that was spent rather distasteful, if I'm honest. Um <laughs> But I can see, I can see why the club wants to rejuvenate, wants to plan ahead, and I presume that this isn't going to be the norm of every, you know, transfer window under under Bole Clear Lake. I think it's very much a, a case of front loading, to use a phrase that Liam has has said to me far too often of late, and getting all your business done now while there there are loopholes to exploit in UEFA regulations as well. Um, but I think. That that level of expense really has to be followed by a period of patience. I don't expect the team to click immediately. I don't expect all of these signings to work. I don't. They've bought kids. A lot of these these guys. Um, 
there's no guarantee that they're going to hit the ground running in the Premier League or that they're even going to make a success of this move, even at the, the vast expense of the, of the transfer fees. Uh, so I think there's going to have to be a, a significant dose of realism in the in the months ahead, possibly the years ahead. And we'll just have to see where it goes. I, I, I mean, it's no surprise that the performance was so disjointed at Fulham last week. I, I agree with everything that the guy said on the pod on earlier in the week on Monday. It was it was a well, it was a group of individuals basically all, all trying to work out how each other play, and uh, and there weren't actually that many new signings incorporated into that team. So I think that, I think that it's going to be disjointed for a while. Jesse, I heard Mark Schwarzer on on Sky this week talking about his concern at not seeing the hallmarks of a Graham Potter team in this Chelsea side yet. Is that is that a concern that you share, or is that not realistic to expect given the fact that he's trying to integrate what at least eight new players? Yeah, I mean, I think it, it's not just even the integrations of the signings, right? It's that you're then trying to reintegrate injuries and bring players together who haven't even been on on the training pitch together necessarily because they've been in rehab in the gym. Um, with all of that change, I think it, it's natural to to expect a manager to take time. And also that being said, that you know it's easy to look at Graham Potter's Brighton as it was at, at the start of this season, but that was a team that took time to build as well. You know, I think people felt like impressed with how he adapted to the Premier League, but it's not like they were a team that were an overnight success. I don't think Graham Potter is ever going to be a manager who comes in and immediately has this massive short-term impact. And and arguably that's why he was attractive in so many ways to Bodie Clear Lake, because obviously they want someone who they can they can feel they're gonna work with for a number of years. And and you know, arguably that's the right approach to take because we've seen, you know, for all of Chelsea's success, the, the manager cycle has been about boom and bust. And and maybe there is, you know, this element of of needing to find patience. And I think something that's tricky about that is that just as a club, as a fan base, we're not really used to that because, you know, every time there's a downturn in results, that's it. You know, the manager's out and you go again. And that's also how we ended up with this ridiculous collection of players, all, you know, three from one manager, three from another. So then, of course, they're not going to come together in, in, in a cohesive style. And I guess, you know, it, it is, I think it's reasonable to demand from now to the end of the season some kind of improvement, but it's never going to happen overnight. Well, let's spin it forward to Saturday's game then. Dom, I wonder if we might see Reese James and Ben Chilwell both start together. There must be a temptation for Graham Potter to put that in as quickly as possible, you know, given their importance to the team and, and given the kind of underwhelmment that has been Mark Kukurea's Chelsea career thus far. Yeah, Kukurea, there were, there were flickers of promise, weren't there, ahead of Fulham, but then last week was a sort of setback again. And I think, I fear that that if there are sections of the Chelsea fan base that expect more of Graham Potter now, they will probably take it out on Mark Kukurea, weirdly, even though he wasn't even signed when Potter was in charge. Um, it, it was, he, he sort of represents Potter's Brighton. And it may well be that he becomes some kind of on-pitch scapegoat. But his performances haven't, haven't been up to the standard that people expected they would be when he when he joined in the summer. So yes, I think I think getting Chilwell and Reese James back in the team, doing what they do on the flanks, and and just having that familiarity there uh, will will just be massively massively beneficial f- for Chelsea and to give Cooker out a bit of time out the firing line. Really, um, we we all remember all the the best football that has been played in the last few years by Chelsea has been when James and Chilwell have been on the pitch. 
I mean, most notably James, obviously, but but Chilwell balances it out so well and and provides his own level of energy up and down that left flank um, and combination plays as well. So uh, it's it's vital they get back on, and this will be a, a perfect opportunity to to throw them back in um, after you know proper training um, in what will probably be quite a tricky fixture. Yeah, it looks as though, I mean, we're recording this before Graham Potter's pre-match press conference, but it looks as though some of those injuries are clearing up a bit. Um, Jesse, you must have been delighted to see Baddy Ashiel excluded from the Champions League squad. Are you hoping that he gets dropped for Wesley Fofana here if he's fit again? Yeah, I'm glad that um, Graham Potter obviously listens to the pod, takes my advice. Uh, Always good to see. Um, I don't think there's any reason to to drop Baddy Ashiel. You know, I think, I do think, the the Champions League squad selection was just a bit of a poison chalice. Like whoever was going to be dropped was going to make noise. You know, if you do leave Felix out, it, it is like that thing of why did you bring him in on loan? And in some ways, I mean, the the thing that's hard for for Potter to balance, obviously now is is how do you turn up to do you carry on playing Badi Ashil? Who I, there's no reason to drop him given his level of performance, but at the same time you have to recognise you need a different defence to play that game against Dortmund. Um, so it's when do you make that change? Do you just think you can rely on like doing it on the training pitch, or are you going to give the defence that you want to use minutes? I mean, I would lean towards towards the latter, but again, it, it does then feel harsh on, on Badia Shield, but that's the nature of having brought in so many players in in January, ultimately. Um, And I think that's also, though, a benefit of bringing in, having looked to bring in younger players that... Badia Shield doesn't strike me as the kind of person who's like going to be huffing around the dressing room about not playing in the Champions League. I think his level of performance has, has come as a pleasant surprise to everyone. I don't think he's the player like from January who would have picked out as, as being, you know, the most impressive. Um, but yeah, Potter's got a decision to make at some point if he if he wants to, to test his Champions League defence before he gets there. It's a great point, isn't it, Don? Because obviously, you know, Fafana is the one who's going to come in for, for Badia Shield. He hasn't played in ages, so you don't want to throw him cold into a game uh, at Dortmund next week. But at the same time, it looks as though Koulibaly's lost the faith of Potter. So <laughs> what what does he do here? You think he might give Fafana a run off the bench, maybe, if he's if he's got that in him? Uh, look, that depends completely on his, his level of fitness. Uh, he wasn't he wasn't involved at all against Fulham last week, was he? So I mean, it's it would it would feel a bit of a risk. But look, if he's ready, then 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 possibly. Although you don't like, I mean, I imagine this game will be quite tight uh, at West Ham. So it's it's almost as if you would you want to disrupt your your defence by introducing a or swap, swapping a, a, a centre half at some stage in, in the game. I suppose the other thing you have to take into account is, I don't know, we all assume that Thiago Silva is this indestructible force of nature that's never ever going to tire but but you know there is a quite a big mid as you say midweek game coming up does he does he play at the weekend um or does he is he rested for that and do Chelsea have the bodies to to take out a player that that, that continues to be so immense from from the back line and there are lots of little little quandaries and things for for Graham Potter to to debate there I'm 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 surprised I think like most people are that Badia Shield didn't didn't get into the Champions League squad. Um he has been so so good and I mean the three players that they've added in, okay, Fernandez in midfield, but the other two in forward areas. And I know Chelsea had, have struggled for goals, so I guess that's the argument for getting them both in, particularly with taking Obama Yang out of the picture. But um I just wondered whether there might have been a case for having one 
you know, people up the spine of the team and spreading it out a bit more. And, and I suppose, look, uh, you know, I'm, I'm arguing against myself now, but I mean, Yao Felix is in on loan. So if you're not going to pick him for the Champions League, then why have you brought him in on loan? Um, and you spent a vast amount of suns on Mudrik, like you spent huge amounts on Enzo Fernandez as well. So it's, it's a, it's a proper debate for, for, for them to have had last week. And, and they went one way and poor Badia Shield is going to have to sit out and watch. So Joao Felix is in. Chelsea have scored one goal in their last three games, and that was against <laughs> Lowly Palace. Behave. Um, <laughs> does that mean Jesse that Joao Felix comes straight back in for for the West Ham game? We, we mentioned, didn't we, about how he seemed to to bring something different out of Havertz. Yeah, I I would like to see him play again. It comes back to this thing: is if you're not playing him now, when are you going to? Um, <laughs> definitely, Chelsea. I think look, have looked at their best attacking, you know, since January with him on the pitch. There's the benefit of the fact that, you know, he's not played for a couple of weeks, so hopefully he's going to be fresh. Um, you know, there's obviously been a lot of stuff going around on social media about, you know, the sheer number of games lots of these Chelsea players have played as a result of really deep runs into to cup competitions and then international competitions as well. So I think being able to, you know, eke out any benefit you can of a player who's who's maybe had some time to, to sit out for a bit, even if it is as a result of, you know, a very annoying red card, um, is going to be a benefit as well as just, you know, the, the sheer energy I think he brought to Chelsea's attack in, in that Fulham game. Well, Chelsea haven't won an away game since October and none of their last six on the <laughs> road in the Premier League. But if you think that they're having a bad season, West Ham are 11 points worse off. They're only one above the relegation zone. They are three unbeaten coming into this one. Uh, Chelsea won 2-1 at the bridge earlier in this season in what was Thomas Tuchel's final Premier League game in charge. So 12.30 kickoff UK time on Saturday. We'll deal with the afters on Monday. Next today, a legend speaks. This episode is brought to you by Michelob Ultra, the official beer sponsor of the NBA. Want to get closer to the game than ever before? Michelob Ultra Courtside is giving fans the chance to win exclusive NBA prizes and experiences like official gear, courtside seats to an NBA game, and more. Head over to MichelobUltra.com courtside to learn more. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7, U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Uh, no, it's not me. A legend speaks in a second. Uh, our own Simon Johnson visited Cobham recently to have a chat with Cesar Aspilicueta for The Athletic. You can read that up on the site now and we can hear a snippet where Dave explains his determination to keep up standards at the club and why he doesn't regret not joining Barcelona. You know, it's true that now we are going through a through a different period. Uh, you know, we changed the ownership. It's, you know, we have a lot of uh, new players coming in. But, you know, Chelsea's... It's all about winning. You know, the DNA is about winning. We have seen many, many players coming, uh, you know, through the past. And, you know, I think it's so important to to set the standards, to, you know, to play for the fans, to to win trophies. Because as a player, it's all you want to do it, you know, to to win trophies. And Chelsea is, is a club that always try, uh, fights for everything. So uh, we have to, to keep uh, those standards and... 
you know, in my position as, as a captain and I feel the responsibility to to set the standards every day in training and, and the games. Yeah. And is your calm voice really important now? Because you you obviously played in the 2015-16 season, the, the, the one bad season basically under in Roman's time. This is sort of a very similar season, albeit for different reasons. But the following season, Chelsea came back and won the league. So yeah. you sort of seen how, yes, okay, things may not be going well, but the future is very exciting. Is that, again, your presence sort of quite important to stress that? Yeah, but, you know, I, I, I won't rule out the season already. You know, that's for me the first point, you know, that, okay, uh, at the moment we are not where we want to be. Yeah. We are out of the two cups that, you know, that gave us to um, uh, remove two chances to win trophies, but we still have the two biggest ones, which is the Premier League and the Champions League. And the Champions League, you know, I'm sure that in 2021, no one expected us to win and we ended up winning. And, and the Premier League, of course, we have to have a very strong second half of the season if we want to, to be in the top four, but it's in, in our hands. So... Uh, so you haven't given up top four? No, no, no. Never. And are you stressing that today? Yeah, yeah. It's, I think it's, it's clear. You know, I, I, I understand that it's difficult to be positive in, in, in moments like this, but I will never allow to just to give, a, you know, to give it away straight, you know, like we don't have chances. I mean, we this, can. This is the this is your personality, <laughs> isn't it? Well, that's how I, I see it, you know, and I won't, you know, I, I cannot, and I cannot accept this, you know, you have to, you know, of, then we, we will see what happens, you know, but at least we have to try and, and give the, the best, you know, now we have uh, players coming back from injury, then we have new signings, and I know that to create a, a team, you know, like, uh, to create a relationship, it can, it can take a bit of time, but our job is to, to, to do it as quick as possible and, uh, and to get, you know, back to winning ways every game to get that consistency that will bring us, you know, step by step closer to the top four and then, you know, being in the position to get in in the last few games and then everything will be decided, you know. I, we have to expect that we will have to push until the last minute and hopefully we can make it, yeah. Have you had any regrets about Barcelona? Has it no. ever, ever entered your mind? No, no, never. Never, because... You know, my situation was quite unique. I mean, you know, I I had the close of the thirty games. Uh, yeah. To you know, if I was if I was starting the games, I I would have an extra year. So I didn't play thirty games until March when we were already with the sanctions. And you know, maybe someone would have acted in a different way. You know, because I could sign for another team since the first of January, and yeah. I was not playing. I was a free agent. And you know that was that was it, you know. But I never had it in my mind, you know. I wanted to, you know, to be with the club in a difficult situation. I had better options, you know, in terms of contract years and salary. But that's not what I wanted to do, you know. I've been here ten years. I I've been had the chance to, you know, to create an amazing relationship with, you know, with the fans, with the club, with the employees. Uh, you know, like I couldn't, you know, my heart, I keep my head. The, the, didn't allow me to do anything rather than being ready for every game and playing 30 games. I didn't know who, who the owner was or, you know, which situation we were coming in, but that's how I felt. Did you, did you also feel you couldn't leave at a time when the club was going through such turmoil? No, never. I mean, that's 
you know, for me, it was a matter of, you know, loyalty to the club, you know, mm. that gave me everything. Everybody gave me everything, allowed me to, you know, to, to be in the, you know, in the best team of the world when, you know, last year and, you know, be the captain. And, you know, it was, it was never a, you know, a regret, but it was a sort of, you know, like be myself, you know, give everything, be ready for every game. If I get picked to play 30, 35, whatever games I will do, you know, I will never hide myself, you know, in, in a position where I will look only in myself and I will let my teammates, uh, you know, the manager, the, the club down, the fans, I was, you know, I, it was never in my head and I was quiet for a long time in terms of speaking. It was, I know it was a big noise because we had other, other teammates as well in, in a position where they were free agents. So always my name wasn't there as well. But I think I spoke clearly with my acts and yeah. that they are more important than talking and then doing your own stuff to, to protect yourself. And, you know, at the end, I ended up by signing another contract and, you know, with the confidence from, from the new ownership and, and the new era. And, you know, I'm, I'm really happy and I have no regrets. Uh, Jesse, we've spoken about it a fair bit in recent weeks as he as he hit this milestone of, of 500 games. But given all the the turmoil and tumult around Chelsea over the last year, he's been the kind of steadying influence that I, I guess will be priceless around the club dressing room, etc. Yeah, and not only that, because of the injuries, I think he's played a whole lot more than anyone would maybe have expected him to at the start of the season. Um, and I think. You know, as as much as clearly he's he's not the player he was in his peak, he always still feels like someone you can rely on to kind of come on and, and, and do a job. OK, he's not necessarily going to be able to offer you the attacking oomph of a, of a Reese James, but, um, you know, there, there are worse deputies to have, I think. And, yeah, in terms of all the, the change, both on the pitch and off the pitch, to, to have someone who's, you know, been at the club for, for a long time and just by virtue of the fact he's been there for so long, obviously really gets the club and, and the energy. And, you know, again, when we're talking about all the, the changes that the Chelsea have seen in ownership and in management over the time that he's been at the club, to have that kind of um, steadying influence and and a player that, that fans can, can see as, as, you know, like longevity there, I think is... Is really nice, and I think you know the the interview and, and the decision to stay is is something that you don't always hear loads of in football anymore. And and I think especially from from a foreign player, um, it is something that you, you don't always expect in the same way. Um, but I think it, it it speaks highly of both his character and his relationship with the club. From a media point of view, Dom, he's, he's a good ambassador for Chelsea, isn't he? He's somebody who always speaks well. He was somebody who was kind of front and centre uh, when all the, the stuff with the sanctions was going on last year as well. And, and that's important as well, isn't it, from a kind of club PR perspective to have somebody who can you can kind of talk eloquently about Chelsea much more eloquently than I'm doing now? <laughs> uh, yes, uh, you're, you're spot on. Um, he's... I don't think he ever says anything particularly controversial, but what he, he does say is safe and reassuring, which is a bit like his performances out on the pitch. Um, he sort of, you know, epitomizes all, all of those qualities. Um, I, I loved the interview, um, which I had the pleasure of sub editing through most of yesterday. It's full of really lovely stories of of the 10, 10 and a half years that, that Cesar Pilicueta spent at, at Chelsea uh, from his various managers that he's worked under um, from Mourinho to, you know, Conte being in particular the, the ones that, that he felt he that affected him most and made a proper impression upon him. 
um, to Eden Hazard in training, to all the stuff from last last year, a year back, where where there were doubts over his future. You know, he could have signed for another club. He, he was getting offers from from foreign clubs from January to sign him on a free transfer in the summer, but he felt that he had to stick about for the good of Chelsea because he felt he had to give something back to them because this was the platform this club had offered him the stage on which to to enjoy this remarkable success with Premier League titles, Champions Leagues and a couple of Europa Leagues. It's I like that loyalty and I think that that will tap into the fan base, that they will empathise with that and they will really appreciate that from him that this... Because he is the first foreign player to have got 500 games for, for Chelsea. I mean, we, we, he's not... He's not like John Terry or, you know, even Frank Lampard. He's, who've, who've, well, Terry through the system, Lampard from, a, from an early stage at Chelsea and, and owing so much to their careers. This, this, he arrived as a squad player. He was a, an afterthought in the summer of 2012. I mean, like a player that was going to come in and be a backup to Branislav Ivanovic at right back. And, and he's ended up playing 500 games for the club, which is astonishing and says everything about the mentality of the man. Yeah, it's a really, really good piece. Um, go check it out if you haven't done so already. Athletic.com slash Chelsea pod, the place to go to sign up if you aren't currently a subscriber. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 US-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard it right. You can talk to a real human in customer service anytime. Sounds like a real game changer, if you ask me. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. This episode is supported by Season 3 of FX's Welcome to Wrexham. Celebrity owners Rob McElhenney and Ryan Reynolds' small-town Welsh football club has finally been promoted into League 2 after 15 seasons in the National League. Dedicated staff and supporters celebrate the city's return to glory while bracing for the newfound challenges that come with being in a higher division. Will Wrexham AFC stand up to the challenges and rise again into League One? FX is welcome to Wrexham. Catch all new episodes Thursdays on FX. Stream on Hulu. Elsewhere in Chelsea news, the women's team take on West Ham in the League Cup semi-final tonight as we record. So congratulations to them in advance on the 3-1 win. Kerr 23, Bright 49, Wrighton 76. Um, elsewhere, Jesse, Zachira Musevic has signed a new contract to, to 2025. Is she the, the number one now? Has she taken Anne Katrin Berger's place, do you think? Or is there still a battle between the two of them? Yeah, I mean, it feels quite hard to, to figure out. And I think that battle between the two, as it may be, is, is complicated by the fact that Chelsea are heavily linked and to all intents and purposes seem to have signed Nicky Everard, the, the Belgian uh, goalkeeper who impressed a lot of the Euros um, coming from Leuven. Um, so it seems like she'll be joining next season. And therefore, it felt like the mood generally, was that presumably one of AKB or Musevic would go. And with Musevic out of contract at the end of the season, it felt like everyone was leaning towards Musevic leaving. Now, she signed a new deal. AKB's got a deal to 2024. And there's a third goalkeeper coming in. So um, I don't know whether Chelsea are going to go for all three uh, and keep hold of them. But certainly at the moment, Musevic seems to have that starting spot down. But it came out of nowhere, really, because AKB picked up an injury at, at the end of December 
Um, so Musovic played in that final Champions League game against PSG, and and AKB hasn't hasn't played since, despite you know being being fit, called up for for the German national team uh, for the international break as well. So so there's no issues there. So I'm not really sure what's gone on there. Uh, I think AKB is still the better goalkeeper in my book, um, and I'd probably still prefer to see her start over Musovic. But I'm not sure if you know. Chelsea wanted to give her a show of faith because they, they wanted to keep her. She's obviously the younger of the two. Um, so, you know, maybe if they, they were going to move one on, they feel like AKB is, is the one to, to do that. But um, it's definitely going to be an interesting thing to, to play out. But Emma Hayes has a tendency to just suddenly chop and change and drop and pick up players. It's one of the strangest things about her management, but I think it's also what helps her keep such a large squad happy because there's it just genuinely feels like no one is undroppable uh, apart from maybe Samka. Hmm. Um, and we didn't have you on Monday's pod. I was listening to another women's football pod earlier this week and I didn't realise that Chelsea actually won the Super League last weekend um, or at least that's the message that I got from it. Now they're top, they're not going to relinquish it. Is that is that an opinion that you share? It certainly was a, a great weekend in terms of United and Arsenal both dropping points but I'm a little bit worried about Man City maybe. Yeah, I don't think I'm quite as bullish as as some people seem to be, but maybe that's the nature of when you actually support a team versus from looking at it from the outside. I certainly think if you look historically at Chelsea's performances, I can see why people feel like once they've got the bit between their teeth, they just don't let it go. Like once their rivals have blinked, they go and they win and they win. You know, last season, nine-game winning streak to, to you know, come from behind and, and take the... Title of Arsenal, season before, I think, eight games and one draw in the last nine of the season to, to equally to win. That being said, I just think the fact that all four teams at the top have to play each other still. Um, Arsenal and City have to play each other twice. Obviously, that first fixture of that is this weekend. Just means there's there's a lot more football still to come. And I feel like Manchester United, um, even though they've dropped points, they've become the kind of rogue extra team where before you know it was it was six points kind of up for grabs in the game against City and Arsenal now you take that to nine you know I was talking to someone last night and I was saying well if Chelsea came away with four points from possible nine against City United and Arsenal that wouldn't feel like a crazy set of points you know I can see them coming away from nine but it wouldn't be ridiculous to say like those teams are good I think Chelsea should win them but stuff happens in football but then suddenly you've dropped you know, five points between now and end of the season. So I don't think it's done, but I do understand why why people will look at it and feel that way. Chelsea don't have another Super League game scheduled until the 5th of March and eek, that's at home to Brighton, who we know have been a thorn in the side of the Blues in recent years. Then it's Man United and Man City in back-to-back games, so we'll know more at the end of next month as to how Chelsea looking in terms of the title race. Uh, as for the men's academy sides, they're back in action this weekend. The under-21s go to Blackburn on Saturday. The under-18s, like the seniors, are away to West Ham. Uh, another little note, Anthony Barry is going to work as part of Roberto Martinez coaching staff with the Portugal national team. He did the same at Belgium and also worked with the Irish national team. Uh, what a lovely old job that is. I wonder if he'll take the step into management at some point. But why would you when you can hang out in Lisbon? Uh, next, to paraphrase Alex Ferguson, let's see if Dom can knock Jesse off their effing perch in the quiz. Right then, Dom. You've been ducking this podcast for months purely because you um, don't want to lose your reputation as the best in class at the quiz. Well, Jesse has stolen that crown from you. I've never had that reputation. (laughs) Jesse's more than welcome to it. (laughs) 
Okay, we're not just doing Chelsea West Ham related this week. It's um, it's a little bit of bit of everything. Who's going first? Looks at the script. Dom, you're going first. Other than Fulham last week, which English team has Noni Madueke played against this season? Ooh, good question. Thanks. PSV Eindhoven. Who do they have in the probably probably Arsenal? Arsenal. Very good. Good deduction as well. Um, Jesse, bit of pressure on you there for. Here's your first question. Who scored the only goal of the game when Chelsea won at the London Stadium in April 2021? Mm. Timo Werner? Timo Werner is absolutely God, correct. Jesse, let me get Very, very good start. Um, I, thought, I, I love thought the answer to all Timo. those questions was Mason Mount. It's always <laughs> Mason Mount, isn't it? <laughs> um, I interviewed Timo Werner after that game, and I think he'd had another goal ruled out, as he always did. Uh, oh, you nearly got to, oh, maybe I am only allowed to score one goal in a game. Ha, ha, ha. And then he's like, no, uh, uh, of course I am not. Um, turned out he was. Anyway, second question for you, Dom. Who made the game safe by bagging the second goal in Chelsea's 2-0 win against West Ham at the bridge in 1994? <laughs> Welcome back. Well, it's got to be Darren Barnard, hasn't it? Of course it was Darren Barnard. <laughs> That's oh, the tapping. It's good to see you've evolved in my absence, yeah? <laughs> We'll get him on one day. He can do the quiz. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So you two one up. Jesse, here's your second question. Emerson left Chelsea for West Ham last summer. Where was he on loan to from the Blues last season? Leo. Say again, please. Leo. Can you spell that for me? L-Y-O-N. <laughs> yes, that's right. It just sounded a little bit like Lille is the thing, you see. But Leon is right. So um, just for clarity, 2-2. Uh, wow, good start. That was my spelling question as well, was it? Does that, <laughs> do I get an extra point? <laughs> yeah. uh, oh, this is the point where Lucy starts frantically typing a tiebreaker in just in case. Always enjoy this moment. Uh, Dom, <laughs> are we going to have to use it? We'll find out soon enough. Here's your final question of normal time. Chelsea don't have any ever presence in the Premier League this season, but two players have featured in 20 of the 21 games so far. I'll give you three guesses to name the two players. Um, two players have featured in... So they haven't started, they've featured in. Featured in 20 of the 21 games so far. Mason Mount. Mason Mount is one. Is this where you put the music in, Luz? <laughs> Kai Havertz? Kai Havertz is correct. Yeah, 18 starts, two off the bench. Means you've got to get this, Jesse. In 19 appearances for Chelsea against West Ham, how many goals has Cesar Azpilicueta scored? <laughs> Jesus Christ. Best part of my week, you know, coming up with the questions. <laughs> One. One is absolutely correct. Do you remember it? <laughs> no. 
Pure <laughs> guess. It was in a one-all draw at Stamford Bridge in the 17-18 season. All right, so that takes us to our tiebreaker. Ooh, this is going to be an interesting one to judge. I like this, Lucy. What years, oh, well, we... <sighs> between what years was Declan Rice in the Chelsea Academy? Oh, so to goodness. and from when? There's an evil cackle from our producer that I can see so on the Zoom. Um, all right. Dom, you had the first question of the quiz, so you, you can guess first. Oh, what? <laughs> I mean, yeah, very arbitrary, but there we go. Uh, so how old is Declan Rice? Must be about 23, 24. Which would take it back. What, what year are we in? <laughs> <laughs> it's currently 2023. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, I'd say... 2010 to 2016. Jesse? I'm going to go 2006 to 2012. Once again, it's a three-peat. Jesse Parker Humphreys oh, well cannot done. be beaten. 2006 to 2014, so you nearly got it oh, spot on there. That's, um, Sweet. Very impressive. Declan Rice. Well done. Surely he'll be coming well back done. one day, won't he? Uh, Dom, you, you, you're back with a defeat. I mean, not uh, great. I, 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 well, I don't know. <laughs> three out of three. Jeez. But you didn't know how old when Declan Rice was at the <laughs> Academy, so you've got it's to accept it. Enough, Dom. It's, it's I didn't even know what year on. it was now, so I mean, I'm... I'm... <laughs> they can't all... Well done, Jesse. Um, no, well done, Jesse. You're going to have to make your questions ridiculously hard uh, from this point on, I think. Um, but that is just about going to do us for today. We've mentioned Simon's piece with Cesar Azpilicueta, and we've heard from him too. Do go check that out. Uh, Liam's got a piece pondering whether Mateo Kovacic will be a Chelsea player next season. What do you think, Jesse? Yes or no? Yes. Okay. That's what I'm going Why? With. I just still feel like that there needs to be, it's the continuity thing. It will be like Azpilicueta, like that kind of vibe. Okay. Uh, there's loads of other great stuff up on The Athletic as well. I don't know about you, Don, but I really enjoyed Nick Miller's piece where he spent uh, Saturday at the service station talking to uh, lots of football supporters about where they were going and why they <laughs> do this kind of thing. That, that's very athletic. What for Gap. Yes, we like a bit of what for Gap. Yeah. Liam's also got another piece going ahead of the weekend um, asking the question, that, well, looking at the, we, we've seen evidence that, that Bowley Clear Lake um, are very capable, more than capable and more than willing to buy players, but can they actually shift players off the, the wage bill as well, which is the next big test for them come the summer, which I'm sure will be a, a very good piece. Yeah, athletic.com slash Chelsea pod, the place to go to sign up to read it. Um, Jesse, I had the misfortune of going to Toddington services last night. Not as good as Watford Gap, not even in the top five, I don't think. Do you have a favourite service station in the UK? This has gone very past. Um, <laughs> I would say I'm, I'm quite a big fan of uh, Peas Pottage, you know, as part of my Worthing to, to London drive uh, that I often take. It's all about Tea Bay, as well, you know. Yeah, Tea Bay's good. Um, yeah, shout out to Sam Batch as well. But uh, <laughs> some good ones. You can still find them, but not Toddington. I think this is the cue for us to go now. <laughs> <laughs> um, we'll be back on Monday. We'll have loads to talk about then. The West Ham game, 
X2, X3 actually, three games against West Ham for Chelsea this weekend at various levels. Uh, Do join us for that if you can. For now though, it's goodbye. The Athletic.